people, especially people in our community, they need to believe in themselves and start. Because if we never believed in what we were doing, we would have quit, right? It, we would have never gotten to the place that we're at now. We would have just quit. Welcome to the Fuel Hunt Show. Welcome to the Fuel Hunt Show. I'm Joey, co-founder of Fuel Hunt. And with me, I have another co-founder of Fuel Hunt and also my cousin, Drew. Happy to be here, Joe. Mm. Finally made it. <laughs> how's it. How's it feel? Feels great, dude. Feels, Feels great. great. I feel like in, in the beginning of our journey, we turned down a lot of podcast uh, requests to be on podcasts, requests to be on shows, requests to be on to be interviewed about what we were doing with Fuel Hunt because we had such a focus on the community. <laughs> I think that it's a testament to our growth that we're here now with our own show. Yeah. You know, we've seen the importance of it, right? We were like so laser focused on the work that any smidge of mm. limelight came our way. We were just like, no, like that's not for us. Let's just get back to work. Yeah, 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 I agree. I agree. I, I too, I feel great um, to be here physically. Um, you know, I feel a little off, as you can probably hear. I have a head cold. Uh, I asked Dane. Dane's here and with his team producing the show. I asked him to actually edit my audio uh, to make me sound like Morgan Freeman instead. Uh, he said that that's probably possible. I love that for our ratings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if you're listening to this and I don't sound like Morgan Freeman, uh, please excuse any sniffle or sneeze um, during the show here. So this is episode one. Let's talk about the show for a little bit. Uh, so we'll have a few different formats, I think, for the show, right? Um, one format will be this year, where mm -hmm. it's you and me, we're mm -hmm. chopping it up. Uh, another format will be bringing on community members to tell their stories, the stories of the few. We'll do some community Q&A. That'll be another format. And then we have another top secret format that we'll reveal later. So a couple different formats um, to the show today. You're stuck with us, but you'll enjoy it. Don't worry. Today, we're going to talk about the origin story of Fuel Hunt. As you can see behind us, we're in Fuel Hunt HQ. Um, this is a very special place to us for um, a lot of reasons. It's a historic building in a very gritty part of uh, Philadelphia, but the story of how we got here to, to this HQ specifically probably could be a whole nother episode, right? Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll save that. Instead, I want to talk about two other places that were fundamental to the origins of Fuel Hunt. Um, one being Streets Philadelphia and two being your basement, right? Mm -hmm. A place that early on in the journey, I, I was not. All sometimes, there that often, sometimes, sometimes yeah, yeah. but not. We'll, we'll we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah. We'll get into that. So, um, let's talk about the, the the streets of Philly first, as it relates to the origin story. Do you want to talk about what we used to do? Yeah, let's or, start. I mean, because I think the perspective. Um, I was talking to Morgan about this, but like the perspective of being side hustle entrepreneurs gives mm -hmm. a lot of our community members and members of the few hope because I know a lot of them are on that same journey. Mm -hmm. So I think we should. So what did we, um, so do you wanna, you wanna kick it off with? I, I feel, so here's, here's my perspective on it. I feel that Fuel Hunt, the idea of Fuel Hunt and its community was born kind of on the streets of Philly because of the conversations we used to have yeah. every day driving home from the offices. So do you wanna, you wanna pick it up there and start to tell the story a little bit? Yeah, so me personally, I mean, I was um, in sales, which is another great profession, but I just got tired of being a boss or being an employee and being told what to do, where to be, what time I had to be there, 
checking into an office. And I was I had my first, my son, and a lot of things changed uh, perspective-wise for me. And I was like, you know, I want to spend more time with him. I want to be at his baseball games. I want to be uh, picking him up from school. And I realized that there was more to work and life than just being in a box from eight to five. And if you develop this work-life mix, as our friend Bader talks about a lot, then you don't have to subject yourself to being stuck in a box all day. So I got tired of having a boss, being told what to do, and I started businesses. Now, if you want, was not my first business, and I would call you specifically um, to get advice on like, Joe, I got this business idea because I knew you were the only successful entrepreneur I knew at the time. Um, and I was like, cause I got this business idea. What do you think? And you remember that? And, mm-hmm. and you were like, you gotta keep throwing shit at the wall and see what sticks. And I was like, all right. And then those conversations led to us getting closer and closer. And then it turned into us, like we always say, for lack of a better word, complaining about our current situation, our day jobs and feeling alone in society. Mm-hmm. which led to the foundations if you want and you could tell that story yeah yeah so um you know a lot of that commiseration or you know our connection right yeah. happened over the phone because we were both we we're both yeah. very busy people yeah. at the time right fully employed uh husbands fathers right um so those phone calls usually happened when you were on the way home from the office and i was on the way home from the office and we were both driving the mean streets mm-hmm. of of philly so when i say that the idea for fuel hunt was born you know on the streets of philadelphia that's why because it came up during yeah. one of the conversations that um that we were having i completely understand everything you were saying about the things that led up to those calls you know i had somewhat of the same feelings um, my background's in technology, so you know, um, which some of the viewers may know, some some may not. A little different than than sales. Um, I had been uh, programming and in technology really since I was like 11 years old, and it's a passion of mine, still is, and I had purpose in it as well. But I did have like a gnawing feeling that there was something greater for me out there, and then I also had all of the other feelings that you described, uh, specifically with my family. You know, wanting more impact and freedom. Um, for my life, right? What's funny though is with the, on the family topic is like you get the freedom and the time back, but you also sacrifice a lot. Yes. At the same time, so it's like, but you sacrifice the time you want to sacrifice, mm-hmm. not necessarily the but what someone else is telling yeah. you to sacrifice. It's not, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs start out, uh, they want to be their own boss and they think that it's an easier life. Yeah. The reality of it is it's not an easier life. It's just life that's more on your own on terms, your terms. Yeah. you know, yeah. um, but l- a life that can be lost in an instant because the hard work really never ends, you yeah. know, uh, whereas, you know, as an entrepreneur, I think there's, or, you know, an employee in an organization, there's a little bit more safety yeah. uh, and structure. Is it is it safety though? Like that's the that was the one thing I tell all my friends that that make that argument is mm-hmm. like they could come in tomorrow and tell your job's yeah, no longer in, in need. But. Yeah, this is true. This is true. So um, we used to talk. What do you think? We were talking for maybe a solid year on the Every phone, day. right? Every, Every day. day on the way home from the office. We would time through. the time we would each leave yeah. the office yeah. to make the, like I'm leaving at five thirty. All right, cool. Like, yeah. Yep. Um, driving through the mean streets of Philly and uh, commiserating a little bit. I, I, I like to think of it nowadays over some reflection. I like to think of it as like we were analyzing, like we were problem solving. Yeah. We were thinking like, okay, look, we know where we want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, we know what our current circumstances and conditions look like. Let's keep analyzing them 
and preparing for the opportunity. And then one day the opportunity came, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't recall the exact conversation. I do remember that it was around entitlement and feeling alone that we had such strong feelings against entitlement when everybody else was so entitled, you know? And that's where the mantra first popped mm -hmm. up. Everybody wants to eat, but few will hunt. Um, that was something that uh, we would say at my cabin, you know, I'm a bow hunter, I'm, I'm a hunter. So it has a very literal meaning as well as the metaphorical meaning that it now, it now holds. Um, so saying that to you, it really struck a chord in you, right? Yeah, and I was like, being in screen break at the time i was like we need to get that on a shirt just because yeah. i wanted to wear it personally i was like i want to wear that everywhere yeah and i think that's what resonates with people now in the community is like they hear our mantras and our sayings and our brand name and they're like holy fuck like yep. that hits like, yeah yeah it's a unique it's a very unique way to take a stance uh, against some of the ills in society, as well as take a stance for yourself and the power that you have um, within you to change your circumstances, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's where the idea was born. So that's why I credit, uh, you know, the first place I wanted to talk about, yeah. the mean streets of Philly. That's why I credit the streets of Philly. If you know me, you know I'm a proud Philadelphian, so I am absolutely going to credit Philadelphia at some point in this art mm -hmm. story, but um, that's why I credit the streets of Philly uh, for the idea. Um, because we were driving now from that moment um what do you think it may be another year right solid year yeah. before apparel came on the scene in a big way because initially you said hey let's get that on a shirt and we did we we got 24 of them we gave them out to our friends and family and it was kind of like our battle flag while we were building yeah right yeah but probably another solid year of community building only like finding our people finding the few, the people that believe and live the rules of the few, probably for another 12 to 18 months before apparel came on the scene, right? At least, and it's funny, I was thinking about this the other day, but like, we always say, we, we ask the question, were we gonna be a blog or a business? But when we started, we truly like only really had the blog and mm -hmm. vision of connecting, of connecting other hard workers with ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like we were like, we need to find our people. Mm -hmm. And that's where it all came from. So when I think about it now, we didn't even set out to be like, how are we going to build this amazing business where we're going to make all this money? Yeah. It was really, how are we going to connect people that think like us? Yeah. We were, we were purpose and people first mm -hmm. instead of product and profit first. Which is Love. not a good way to make money. It is not. It is, <laughs> it is not, it is not a good way to earn. It is, it is not. Um, but I think in the long run, it's the right way to, to build a business. I think nowadays you have many entrepreneurs out there and there's nothing wrong with making a shit ton of money, but that's how they come to the game. How can I make a shit ton of money, right? What can I sell? Who's gonna buy my shit? And then at the end, they're like, oh, and this is why I'm doing it. This is our purpose. We're the reverse. Yeah. You know, we were purpose people. The product came around, then we focused on the profit. Did it make the business side of Fuel on a little more difficult than it needed to be for us yes but i still stand by it that it was the right thing i to wish do. we could say we set out with the plan to do it that way but we did it the right way by happenstance yeah. in my opinion yeah. looking back yeah absolutely absolutely so um apparel comes on the scene right mm -hmm. um we are still fully employed mm -hmm. right uh we need a warehouse uh, we need a fulfillment operation um 
you know, we need all the underpinnings of an e-commerce business, mm -hmm. right? Now you have some background there. Mm -hmm. Obviously I'm in technology, but e-com as well. I have a little bit of a background. Uh, in the beginning, our solution was a basement in uh, Northeast Philly, in, yeah. in Northeast Philly. Yeah. And I wish we could say that we rented uh, a basement or rented a small space, but we didn't. What we did was we used your basement. Yes. Uh, a basement that I did not visit often because I think we were staying in our zone of geniuses, yeah. I think, right? Yeah. At the time. So I was doing a lot of creative work and mm -hmm. writing, right? And you were doing a lot of operational ninja work, you know what mm -hmm. I mean, on that side. Um, so tell, tell us, tell me, tell the few about the basement, how it started, right? The mm -hmm. first couple SKUs, mm -hmm. all the way to how the basement ended when we eventually moved out. Paint the picture. Yeah. And one note on that thing thinking on to why we were in our silos is because I think we were both looking out for the best interests of each other. And I was mm -hmm. like, you know, because you stay focused on design and creating our brand and I'll handle everything else and vice versa. And you're like, I got this. I think that if I'm giving a tip to anyone on how to be a good business partner, it's like, make sure you got your partner six. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like that's why I think we were doing best yeah. um, for each other. I, but, would, I would agree. You, I think you recognized uh, the zone of genius concept Right. And yeah. even you recognized the the zones of genius or the zone of genius that I have even before I did. And mm -hmm. you did a great job of keeping me there so that we could build more momentum. Yeah. Um, so, we, yeah, I think we off. still do a great job of we that do. We for do. each other to, yeah, to this we day. Do. We do. So so tell us about the basement. From yeah. the first couple skews, oh, this is manageable, yeah. to, <laughs> to what it ended up being. So, I remember being like looking at like our warehouse now. It's like it just seems like I always envisioned it. But I remember being so proud when we set up our first. Like, we got our first rack from Amazon. We have fifty now or whatever. But like I was just so proud to set that up. And I had my little my little workstation and like my hook my laptop up there. And I would fill like three orders a week maybe when we started. Like that's yeah. literally what it was. And three orders turned to. 20 orders and then 20 orders turned to 100 orders and then i was like holy fuck like this is like too much work like it's a lot um and then one rack turned to two racks and then two racks turned to 10 racks and before i knew it one i had way too many orders to pack than i could ever do myself and do the rest of the work that goes along with building a business and my basement was completely covered and boxes and racks and shipping supplies like literally you couldn't you couldn't walk in the back door like we all we had room for in the in the in the basement was the laundry room like there was nothing else to be done down there it was just it was a work zone it was about a 500 to a thousand square feet i would say mm -hmm. um it completely filled to the ceiling so it was definitely a fire hazard i think you made you asked me about that a few times um and then luckily my sister brianna who runs all operations to this day was also unhappy in her day job and had a lot of flexible a lot of freedom and came on board and she was like you know did the same thing for us she's like i got this you mm -hmm. do what you have to do mm -hmm. and she helped me out it really helped us out at a very pivotal time in our entrepreneurial journey and still to this day completely owns the operations for us and mm -hmm. the day-to-day -day, if you want I remember, I do remember coming over for a shoot because we also used to shoot in your garage. So when we had new gear, we would shoot it in the garage. And 
Or the backdrop in the basement. Or the backdrop yeah. in the basement. I remember coming over and opening the door to the basement and like immediately being met with boxes floor to ceiling. And there was a, a small walkway through the boxes yeah. into the main basement. So yeah. you had the laundry room there, which was clear because yeah. you, you know you had to do your clothes, man. You can't walk around yeah, stinking. Yeah. Um, and then you know walked into uh, the main basement and there was a, a very small area in the center of the basement to move and maybe pack. And then literally around it, yeah. floor to ceiling boxes. Yeah. And, and seeing, you used to send pictures and video of literally like Brianna climbing and Amanda climbing oh, the boxes, climbing yeah. the boxes to get to boxes behind boxes. There are a lot of friends that came over and helped when we needed mm -hmm. um, help fulfilling orders that I'm surprised were still my friends because it was cruel and unusual it, it punishment was. to do certain things. It, it was. Yeah. It would it would break somebody. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it would break somebody. And I remember Brianna would always ask me, like, when are we getting a warehouse? And I'm like, I'm like, oh, stop, Brianna. Like, you're being, like, you're entitled, like. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Climb some more boxes. Yeah, yeah. warehouse, warehouse. I do, I also do clearly remember the fire hazard conversation yeah. with you being like, hey, look, like, your family's upstairs. Like, yeah. This is a legit like fire hazard. Um, are there any, uh, so that, that's a good job painting the picture. Are there any key moments from the basement? Um, you know, one I can think of maybe Brianna packing in the snowstorm. Yeah. Uh, you know, another when we started creating banners and like amp bringing the truck over and the, the pickup yeah. truck being like overflowing with banners as you drove to USPS. It's Like what are some other moments yeah, from the basement? Yeah, it's funny you have the two like pivotal moments, but I mean, it was just, it was actually like, so fun day to day because like i got my my son involved like he was our ups driver like knew our family by name and like our mailman knew our family by name and we would just literally we'd stop dinner to go take all the orders after the day brianna had left early that day because that was her she was at my house from eight to five almost like working full time yeah. Yeah. um so yeah the snowstorm there were times when the uh basement just got so like overflowed and just like a little bit in disarray and like Brianna would know how that would make like I, I, would, I would not enjoy that as a mm -hmm. as a leader and uh so like she was like always trying to like fix it right away so she like she came over in the snowstorm and literally like packed all the orders for the day and then drove them in like terrible conditions to to the, the post office like to literally like just like do the right thing and I was like probably you didn't have to do that but um that one and then out of nowhere, we got during COVID, we got a uh, our banner order just sort of like yeah. flying off the shelf. We banner we couldn't keep banners in stock for the life of us, and we didn't have room in any of the trucks or anything. This was before the USPS and UPS pickup because we figured that out uh, too late. But um, so Ann had to come up with a pickup truck, and we literally had like two trips to the post office full of just banner boxes. Yeah. Um. But other than that, just the people that came over and, and I just want to express my gratitude for the people that helped us get to where we are today. But they're just like key people that really came through and like helped us pack orders and, and move things around and move our warehouses that I just want to like thank on this first episode. So thank you to all those and you know who you are. Yeah. But So before we get into uh, 2020 and, and that year, because that was a pivotal year for us, what do you think uh, aside from um, the... Uh, the, the stick that you carry or the whip, right? Well, why do you think that um, everyone that helped us, many of them are still with us today, yeah. right? Yeah. Why do you think they endured that? 
during the beginning when when people literally were laughing at us? I think because that's something we didn't touch on. Yeah, like it's easy to think that everybody was like, "Look at these hustlers yeah. out of a Northeast Philly basement. They're doing they're doing great things for the world, like they like they do now." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back then, it was laughs and jeers, is what it was. I think two things, and then we'll talk we'll touch on this uh, rule of the few in a future podcast. But to get give, so I think you and I both built a lot of built up a lot of goodwill with people throughout our journeys mm-hmm. that they felt it was their time to give back to us mm-hmm. um, or me because like some of them being my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I think people believed in what we were doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and believe that we were going to take this to where we say we are going to and never give up relentlessly. Mm-hmm. So I think belief and our mission and belief in us as entrepreneurs was what drove them to be so willing to help out. And a lot of time they didn't even want to be paid. I would just have to buy them lunch or mm. something like that. But I do agree. I think it was belief, you know, belief in us and, you know, more so belief in our mission, like our mission to restore the dignity of hard work. We, we didn't, you know, I failed to mention that earlier, but you know, the mission that we're on to, to restore hard work to the rank and respect it deserves in society. Right. Um, we, we felt so alone in a society of entitlement and comfort and shortcut seeking and victim mentalities. Like we were like, where's all the power, all the hard work, who we used to be as a society. So I think that, you know, your friends, uh, our friends now at the time, they believed in that. And the cream kind of rose to the the top. Like the few made themselves known in our circle and they, they stood up to help, you know, they stood up to, to help us in those, those moments. So 2020, a, a pivotal, a year for for us, world's kind of going to shit, you mm-hmm. know, uh, in early 2020. There's a lot of uncertainty. Uh, people don't know what's going on. We were um, scared. Yeah, there's a, you know, a, a uh, outbreak of a viral outbreak of some of some sort. And the world is shutting down. Everybody's pulling back. Companies, people, literally everybody is hiding uh, or being forced to hide in their homes. How did we react to that? What did we What did we do? We went all in. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and this came from having day jobs. We were we were able to risk our hands a little bit more because we had our salaries or incomes to fall back on. But we were like, "Fuck it! Like, let's just like let's buy our." We knew we could get better pricing to increase our margins, which we are 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 always a challenge for us mm-hmm. because we buy the highest quality product. And sell for the lowest possible price, but mm-hmm. um, we were like, let's let's go on on a couple of runs of our best sellers for these ads. We wanted our um, to spread our mission and grow our community through our pay, our advertising, mm-hmm. and we invested pretty much every dollar we had at the time, um, and basically cleared our account to buy our biggest run of shirts to the to date. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting this shipment, and it. I didn't have room in the basement at the time, so it filled up my garage, which my, was my gym at the time. So I was very upset <laughs> that I would have to go to Globo Gym or stuff like that. So, and I remember I still have a picture of uh, one of our old friends that would help out, and it, we had like tables in my driveway and all the boxes laid out, and my Parker was there like, helping, but like, we were counting, checking in each shirt. Yep. Uh, but yeah, we bought like I forget how many it was, a couple thousand shirts. And uh, I remember being scared that we just literally cleared our account and risked every dollar we had, but it ended up being a very good decision. Yeah, we I think we 
we saw it as an opportunity. We saw the chaos. We saw the opportunity in the chaos that mm -hmm. was that was happening. So we saw the opportunity for better margins mm -hmm. and more more earning more money, right? Means more impact exactly. and more growth for, for the movement, right? So we saw the opportunity for better margins. We saw the opportunity for more time because we were now forced to be home. Mm -hmm. So that's a, you know, an hour or more for each of us each day because we're saving a commute now. So there's more time. And then also around that time, we started to figure out that if we were really going to grow the community, uh, in the way that we knew we could, we had to pay to play mm -hmm. and we needed to start advertising. So that's also when yeah. we first brought on Adam to help mm -hmm. us with some of our paid advertising to get our message out there. And even at that time, I remember like struggling with Adam because he was like, hey guys, like, let's talk about your shirts and like how great they are, yeah. the quality. And I'm like, bro, you're missing the point. Like we need community members, like join the few. Like, yeah. and he was- Still to this yeah. day, we don't ever even market right. like that. Like right. and know, people get our shirts like, oh my God, they're the softest shirts I've I ever know. felt. I know. So, so that year was pivotal for us because yeah. in the chaos, we chose to see the opportunity. We took a lot of risks. And um, that was the year, 2020 was the year that we cracked seven figures. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like- that put us on the map a bit, that we started to get some attention. The community started to grow in a big way. Our community members started to become more vocal about uh, our, our counter movement. You know, we say mission and movement a lot. What it really is is counter movement. About our counter movement, they started to feel proud of the work that they were doing as um, the few, yeah. which was like gasoline yeah. on, the, on the fire. Remember we did that... Um picture where some, a lot of our OGs were doing that yeah. bicep curl. Like that was like right in the thick of COVID. Like, yeah. Yep. But it was like 20 or 50 of us maybe in that picture. But that was when really our, our brand and our movement and our company took a, a turn yep. for the better. Yep. I would agree. I think that, you know, the, the, the community was born out of feelings of being alone. Right. Yeah. And during that time, those feelings of alone were very real and being very magnified because people were in their homes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Being forced to stay in their homes. So again, that poured a lot of fuel on the fire, on the fuel wall hunt fire, yeah. you know, and the community um, began to grow. So that was a great year. We learned a lot. Uh, 2021 also, you know, another great year uh, for a few reasons. I believe 2021 was the year that we both left our full-time gigs, right? Mm -hmm. And it's also uh, the year that um, we hooked up with Bedros, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So uh, each year you can see, you know, major milestones mm -hmm. that were not the result of, of luck at all. You know, they were the result of risk and hard work and the pain of the basement, yeah. you know what I mean? And yeah. the discomfort of working two jobs and all the things we talk about in, you know, the rules of the few. So let's touch on 2021 a little bit. Mm. Um, do you uh, remember the day that you gave your notice uh, at your full-time uh, gig? And do you remember the day after when uh. you were full-time fuel hunt for the first time? Um vaguely it was all that the past few years of my life i mean i've been a blur dude like i'm like i can't even recall like all the great things that have happened that like everything's been moving so fast but yeah i remember um telling you like i remember the exact i remember being very hard because i loved all the people in my, my company I, I grew a lot there as a person um 
So it was very hard for me to to send my uh, notice, but I remember being like, I felt that I remember telling you this, my cousin. Like, there's just like this like feeling inside my chest that we were we were finally like doing something, and we were we were finally we finally made it right. Like we were finally building this community. Like we we had so much energy and positive like positivity like flowing our way, and I was like, it just feels right, dude. Like mm-hmm. I feel, like complete control to do whatever I want to do, and just like for this company, and like I felt liberated. I would say mm-hmm. uh, like the next day or week uh, that 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 high kind of rode out for a little while, and then there was a time I was like, holy fuck, this is hard. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, 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 yeah. I do. Um, it wasn't. So it was very hard for me too to give uh, my notice. I had been at my company for, in one capacity or another, for I would say almost fifteen years. So you know, Fuel Hunt is my first rodeo, mm-hmm. right? I had business before that business was absorbed by the company that I worked for at the time. I went inside uh, there for like another like seven or eight years yeah. with them. I love like and. We had such a low turnover rate in my department. We had such a high tenure, um, you know, eight, nine, ten plus yeah, years. Family. Exactly. Yeah. So it was very difficult. But I do remember. Um, so I've had that feeling uh, before, where I've quit my job because I quit it in two thousand eight during that economic downturn yeah. to start my first business. Yeah. Um, so I, I, there's feelings of liberation uh, I'm familiar with, but this felt different because it didn't just feel liberating. I felt like I'd finally found like my purpose yeah you know like like i could actually i was in control to actually help others in a way that i had never helped them before so that's the the one defining thing that i remember about um you know the the first day being few a uh, few full-time fuel hunt yeah. you know um so a little bit later in that in that year in 2021 and then maybe we'll cap origin off around uh, around this point, yeah. and uh, and then we'll get to to some takeaways. But a little later in 2021, um, we found out that there was somebody in our community who's an absolute savage and servant, uh, salt of the earth human, yeah. um, Bedros. Yeah. Yep. Best guy I ever met. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so, how did that happen? Do you do you remember? Uh, I remember pretty well that. He, a picture post uh, got posted by him of giving a keynote at one of his events wearing the enemy tee that we have since resurfaced with him. Um, but I remember, actually, I recall that a friend of ours, a friend of uh, one of the few, was going to his gym to deliver a flag. Noah, mm-hmm. Noah. from Stars and Strikes Company. Yep. Shout out to Noah. And got his flag said, hanging over there. We had did a, a giveaway with him, and him and I have connected and you as well like mm-hmm. just a great another great guy um and he was for no reason at all he said i'm about to go to bader's uh bader's gym like do you know him and i was like yeah i know bader's like, a big fan and uh he's like i'm gonna deliver this flag do you want to send me some gear i'll give it to him and i was like f- like for what like we didn't like do anything for you and he was like i said ah, just because and mm-hmm. he gave him that gear and the enemy team was not one of the shirts that I had given. I had given him other yep. shirts. And um I nothing ever I never heard anything from it. I just be just given I given a box for Noah and a box for Baders. And um next thing you know, the picture gets posted of him being uh on his account giving a keynote in the enemy team. I was like, Holy like what? Like and I said I remember sending it to you and we were like, dude, this is like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So that's when we found out that um 
you know, he was a customer, yeah. which, which B openly talks about all the time. Like, you know, I was a customer before I was a partner yeah. or an investor. Um, so that was cool. You know, it was a high moment for us to, to see someone of his caliber, right? Um, in not only the entrepreneurship game, but also in the personal development game, someone of his caliber that believed in what we were doing, that believed in our mission. Um, so even then, I feel like we did reach out and we just kept them laced yeah. up. We never asked him for anything, no. you know? Uh, we never asked him for anything. And I think that's what led to a moment months later in 2021 uh, where, you know, I was, I remember vividly, I was in my basement. I was designing a, a shirt for Shane, shout out Hurricane, Hurricane Shane uh, Burgos. I was designing a fight shirt for him and uh, B sent me a DM and he was like, hey, you know, I really fuck with what you guys are doing. If there's any way that I could ever be involved in it, I'd be open to that. Yeah. Which yeah. was amazing. Wow, my head was my head was spinning. Right. Uh, Wild. So uh, fast forward, you know, um, a week we got on the phone. Fast forward another two weeks, yeah. we're out in in Chino at his yeah. HQ, meeting the team, meeting Die, meeting Bryce, and uh, handshake agreement that he would join us on this mission as a partner. Yeah. So that was another, um, you know, aside from becoming uh, full time fuel hunt. In 2021, another shining moment of 21 of 2021, and from there, it's been the same the same grind, if if not harder. Yeah, I would say it's harder. It's, I think it's gotten exponentially harder for yeah. for every, and that that's the the cycle, right? For like every way that we've gotten smarter with our work, the type of people we are, we always set bigger goals yeah. that we have to work harder than to get smarter again. You know. Yeah. And I remember when I was saying, I'm like, God, if we could just get here, like, <laughs> and then we, we get there. If we just get here, though, like, then, then it'll all be, it'll be good. If we, and then we get there. Yeah, we still. Like, new levels, new devils. Yeah, we still play that. We still play that game sometimes. But, um, I mean, it's just the type of people we are. There's always going to be a bigger vision, yeah. I think. You know what I mean? As we, as our, our, our sphere of influence or our, like, cone of impact, like, widens. Uh, we set bigger goals and bigger yeah. bigger visions for for ourselves. So um, let's bring it let's bring it around, right? Let's let's bring it around here. Um, two things, two things that I really want to ask. So the show here, the Fuel Hunt show, we went over some of the formats earlier. Um, we know that this show is for the few, um, not just the the eagles that are in our community now, but the eagles that we want to bring into our community. It's a it's a way for us to get our rules of the few out there, our counter movement out there so we can attract more people, right, to the community yeah. and grow it. It furthers our counter movement and our mission of restoring the dignity of hard work. Inside of that mission, restoring the dignity of hard work, right, our, our, our big vision, inside of that, is there a, a personal goal that you have uh, for the show? Yeah, for me personally, I hope, with this show, we inspire members of the few and, and people to just chase their dreams. Because I, one thing I've learned realistically too late in life is that we only get one shot here and it could be gone tomorrow. Yeah. So just do what makes you happy. Yeah. And that's what I hope to, to do. Great. Great. I, I, I love that. The, from my side, you know, I feel like I agree with you. Life is, life is short and life is sacred. Right. And I think that, you know, if I look at 
my purpose, why I was put here. I think I have the ability to see potential in people, right? And, excuse me, and my if I had a personal goal for the show, it would be to help the members of the few you know, see and seize their full potential, the full potential that's inside of them. Because in the world we're living in, they're distracted, they're, they're put down, they're segregated, they're alone, they no longer believe in the power that's inside them and it keeps them from chasing their dreams. Yeah. You know, so I really want to, you know, personally through the show, help people see and seize their full human potential, that power um, that's inside of them. So there are some personal goals that we have nestled under our, our big yeah. banner of restoring the dignity of hard work. Second question, and then we'll, we'll tie it up. Um, a piece of wisdom that you want to leave the few with that you learned throughout this origin story, throughout this journey, uh, from 2017 when we first yep. birthed the idea on the Mean Streets of Philly, yep. all the way till 2021 when we quit our full-time jobs and met B. And is there a piece of wisdom in there that yeah. you want to share? My, my wisdom to impart on the few is that it's going to take longer than you think, it's going to be harder than you think, and nobody cares, so you just keep working. Solid, yeah. solid advice, yeah. solid advice. Uh, let me let me uh, leave them with a piece of wisdom too. Um, I think that a lot of people really fail to start today because they're afraid of you know the risk. They fear the risk. They fear failing. They fear um, the opinions of others being judged, maybe, um, and they don't start. They never chase their dream, right? They never have the opportunity to work hard because they never start. So um, if I'm going to leave the few with a piece of wisdom, I think I'll I'll take it from, I have a, a wooden sign that hangs in Everly's room, my, my uh, oldest daughter. And it, uh, it says this, it says, um, you're braver than you seem. You're stronger than you believe. And you're smarter than you think. Those three things. I think that people, especially people in our community, they need to believe in themselves and start. Because if we never believed in what we were doing, we would have quit, right? It, we would have never gotten to the place that we're at now. We would have just quit. So those three things, um, it, that's a, a mantra that I think that everybody, uh, especially those in the few, should revisit every day to change their mental wiring, to get them to keep growing and keep going. Yeah. So anything else that you want to mention about the origin story here? Yeah, I think we covered it all. How long, how long was that? I don't know. I think we, we should have been setting a timer. I was glancing at the clock here. Like we're amateurs with this. We're just we figuring did, we this out. We like, <laughs> stories for like. I know, I know. We can. Um, so uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll tie this up. Um, we'll be back uh, with uh, another special episode coming up where we start to cover uh, the rules uh, of the few. If um, I could leave again the few with uh, a little sign off. Uh, I think I would say, would take some wisdom from maybe the rules of the few, right? And I would say, always choose effort over entitlement, right? Always choose hard work over handouts, right? Um, no one owns you, no one owes you. You're one of the few. 
All right, bro. First of many. Yeah, let's go.